Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, The Hope of Sanctification, Part 1, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva, on April 22nd, 2018. You know, um, just to kind of preface before we jump into God's Word this morning, I have been reminded this last week and over the last several months about how how God is at work and how God is uh, continually just working in every one of us. And, and I believe this with, with all of my heart. And, and this morning, as, as I grieve, as we grieve together for the loss of, of a, a, just a wonderful young, young lady, Kaylee Boatman, um, it's another reminder of how important we are to one another. You know, God is orchestrating things in our lives daily. He's doing things in our lives daily. And sometimes we pay attention. Sometimes we acknowledge. And sometimes we don't really understand. And that, that's okay. Ours is not to, to understand, but to trust God and to, to follow God and to live um, in accordance to his perfect will for our lives. And so this morning, as a family, as, as we grieve together, I, I want to offer you just a, a little bit of encouragement. Uh, maybe a reminder for some of us. As you look around the room and you think about the people that, that we do life with together, let's, let's always remember that God is at work. Let's always remember that, that we are in each other's lives with a purpose and a plan. And let's, let's, let's make the commitment that, that we'll never take that for granted, that we'll never lose a single day uh, of reminding ourselves and reminding those around us just how loved they are and how loved we are by a God that created us. Can we do that together this morning? Can we do that? Well, we're gonna continue in our series uh, in the book of Romans. So if you would, grab your Bibles and let's turn to to chapter six. And we're gonna look at the, the first 14 verses of this book. Paul has kind of guided us so far in the first few chapters in this book. And he's reminded us of the gospel, the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, he says, I am not ashamed of this gospel. And the gospel is that Jesus died on a cross. He came and he rose again. We serve a living God. And then he talks to us a little bit about where we find our hope. See, the heart of hope, the title of the series, the heart of hope is all about the righteousness of God, the goodness of God, the great love that God offers each and every one of us, all of his creation. See, salvation comes through Jesus Christ and it's because of the righteousness of God, the goodness of God, that you and I have life. Death has been defeated. Jesus showed us that. Our sin, we can overcome that and move into God's righteousness. See, the heart of hope is this God that is so righteous, so loving, and so kind that he looks upon us with compassion and he says, I love you. I care about you. You mean everything to me and so much so that I would give my only begotten son so that you might have life, so that you might come to know me. Well, we come to that place in our lives where we accept and we receive this hope and we claim Jesus as our Lord and our Savior and we, we bow our hearts before him 
and we acknowledge what he did for us, knowing that we couldn't do that for ourselves, that our sin separated us from God. And because Jesus Christ has gapped, spread his arms, and, and closed the gap so that we can come into the presence of our Father, we have salvation. So the question that, that, that we're gonna look at this morning is, is we've been given so much, we've been offered so much through the righteousness of God, what's next? What, what do we do from here? What, what is our part? What is our role? Because this gift of salvation has been given to us freely. There's nothing that we can do. There's no way we can earn it. It's something God has just given to us through his son, Jesus. Well, Paul in these passages, he talks a little bit about this. And there's a big word that that we use in church circles, which is sanctification. Sanctification just simply means change. See, God has brought us to a place where he says, come as you are. In your sin, in your dirtiness, in your brokenness, however you see yourself. He says, you come to me just as you are. But he also says, and know that I won't leave you where you're at. Know that I want to change you. I want you to become the person that I created you to be. See, that is part of this change process, this sanctification that God will do in our lives. And he does it through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, at at the moment of salvation, each and every one of us receives God's Spirit. God's Spirit dwells in us. He works in us and he works through us. He changes us. I want you to hear this passage. It's a beautiful picture of what this looks like, this sanctification process in Isaiah chapter one. Verse 18, God says this. He says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. See, that's God changing us. He says, come as you are and know that I will change you into the one that I intended you to be. See, we have to acknowledge that God knows our sin. God knows our brokenness. We can't hide it from God. We can hide it from one another, but we we can't hide these things from God. God knows our hearts. He knows them better than we know our own hearts. So, but even though, even though he sees all of this stuff, even though he knows all of this stuff, he says, let's come together and let me show you that I will change you, that I will create in you the person that I desire you to be, to become. So the question that we have to ask ourselves as we read these passages, if we are saved by grace, then what does it, what do I do now? moving forward. What is my next step? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Father, again, we come to you with heavy hearts, burdened by the weight of this world, burdened by the things that go on in this life that that we do not always understand. Father, but we know that you are in control. We know that you are sovereign, that you are holy, and that you are just. And in the moments of our despair, Father, we ask that you would give us grace, that you would give us peace.
Father, we will never understand the hard things that we face in life. We will never understand the moments when we mourn and we have sorrow and we struggle. Father, but we do understand that your grace is sufficient. Lord, we do know that that you are faithful in all things. Father God, that you are holy and that you are righteous. So Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we come to you and we cry out. Help us in these moments. Help us to, to move towards a place of peace and understanding. Give us comfort through your spirit. Father, be with this family, the boatmans, and help us, help us to love them. Help, the, help us to hold them and comfort them and to hug them and to remind them of your love. Lord, we thank you for this morning and we pray as we read your word that you would guide us, that you would speak to us. Father, let it be your voice that we hear this morning. Let it be your spirit that fills us and shows us and teaches us and comforts us. Lord, let it be your word that corrects us and guides us. Lord, we thank you for this and we do it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, we're going to read together in the book of Romans, chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 14. Everybody there? Everybody ready? All right, let's, let's read together. Starting in verse 1, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God, so that you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. See, this passage is, is speaking towards the change that happens when we surrender our lives to Jesus. We are no longer bound by sin and death, but we move into this new life of continual change. What we see here is that change equals new life. So look again at verses four through six. He says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk, walk in newness of life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be, brought, might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So there's a couple things that, that we should note here in this new life that God wants for us, in this change that, that he's creating in our life. And one is that, that it's an action. We walk in it. See, we move, we move towards the renewing of our minds and we turn away from the old self. The second thing is that, that we serve a new master. See, sin is no longer our master. We're not enslaved by sin. See, we serve the eternal God. He becomes our master. When we say he is Lord, that's what it means, that he is Lord over us. He becomes our master and we now belong to the Father. Romans 8, 11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies and through his spirit who dwells in you. See, new life has come through salvation. See, we have been given this through Jesus Christ. And just like Christ lives, we too now live and we live for God. We are changed by the power of God. It's God's spirit in us who dwells in us that changes us. He draws us closer and he gives us a fresh start. Isn't that a beautiful picture of God's love for us? That he wouldn't just leave us there in our sin and in death, but he gives us new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So what does this new life bring? Well, when you allow God to change you, that change equals freedom. Have you ever thought about that? That, that walking with God frees you? It creates a, a life of freedom. You know, it's interesting because uh, for those of us that have kids, when, when we usually give them a little bit of structure or a little bit of, you know, kind of put them in a box, they, they feel like they're, they're bound by something. They feel like that, that they're, they're, they're just put under this bondage of, of a mom and dad that, that just don't want them to have fun, huh? Right? As, as I remember as a kid, that's what I used to think. Well, my mom just doesn't want me to have fun. But what's interesting, we're, we're no different as believers. See, we enter into this salvation. We receive this gift of life. Yet we forget that this life creates this newness and this freedom. See, there's no bondage there. There's no, there's no weight in this love. It's, it's a freedom that frees us to live this life that God has created for us. See, as a parent, we, we give our kids rules and structure so they don't hurt themselves, right? We don't tell our kids, hey, yeah, go play out in the middle of the road, and if you get hit by a car, that's okay. As long as that's what you want to do, you're good to go. Have fun. We don't do that, right? We tell them, hey, don't go out in the street and play because there's cars, and these cars will hit you, and they'll hurt you. And, and, and because I love you, I don't want you to get hurt. 
See, God does that in this new life for us. He says, hey, look, this is the life that I created for you. He said, and I created these things for you because I love you. And if you do things that are in opposition to this life that I've created for you, I tell you, you might get hurt. And because I love you, I don't want you to get hurt. See, there's a freedom in that. There's an understanding of that that God creates for us. And we see that in verses 7 through 9. Listen to what he says here. He says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him, so death no longer has dominion over us. It's kind of interesting what what death does to us, isn't it? Even just kind of the the dialogue and the conversation is something that we typically avoid. How many of us have had coffee with somebody, a friend or a family member and said, hey, are you ready for death? (laughs) Uh, Are you ready to die? (laughs) Let's talk about this, you know? We, we usually don't do that, do we? We usually don't want to have those conversations. But the reality is that, that just like Christ died in the flesh, you and I will experience that death. But see, Jesus overcame that death. Jesus conquered that death. See, that is the hope of Easter, the resurrected Christ, the one who lives. And so you and I, we we don't have to live in fear of death. We have dominion over it. We, we, We have conquered death because of Christ. We have victory in Jesus. Amen to that? You know, what's interesting is, is that most of us, if not all of us, at least I know myself, I, I live in constant fear at times. You know, I, I'm always worried about something or this or that or the other. And a big part of that becomes, comes from an aspect of not understanding just how free we truly are. See, if I lived today knowing that I would be living in heaven tomorrow, I think I would live my life completely different. And I know that's probably a sad statement to say. I mean, think about it. If today was your last day, how would you live it? What would you differently than you would have done if you didn't know today was your last day? It's kind of a sobering thought. And I think most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we'd probably do a few things a little different. We might talk to some people that we hadn't talked to in a while. We might take advantage of the aspect of how God has forgiven us so that that we might forgive others. We we might take advantage of the aspect of how God has loved us so, so that we are to love others. You know, it's interesting what death does. It kind of holds us. See, we have to understand something when we think about death. The wages of sin is death, right? But we know that Jesus paid that wage for us. He died on a cross. He took our sin upon himself. And in doing so, he conquered it. In doing so, he freed us from this weight. Listen to what Galatians 5.13 says. 
He says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Do you hear that? He says, God has given you freedom. He is saying here, we will also live with him and because of what he has done, we are called to live in freedom. See, again, I, I think the problem is that, that we still live as if we serve death. I, I think sometimes we still live as, as if we're in the bondage of this sin. And then going back to what he says, he says, you know, in his first verse, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace might abound? By no means. Because what God is doing in our life and how he is changing us, he gives us this freedom to live differently. He gives us this freedom to know that we can use this opportunity to serve and to love one another, to come together as his family, as his children, to honor him and to honor one another in our lives and the things that we do for each other. And he goes on, even to say this, that we are to put others' needs before our own. See, there's a freedom in that. There's a a blessing in that. If we live in reflection of who God wants us to be, when we come under the aspect of the sanctification and we allow God's Spirit to live in us, to dwell in us, and to live through us, there's no question that it's going to change us. It is absolutely going to change us. See, we have freedom in Christ. And we should let that freedom move us towards this new life that God has for us. A life of freedom gives freedom. In Isaiah 6, 61, excuse me, verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. I want to ask you this morning, have you allowed God to sanctify you? Are are you a different person yesterday, I mean today than you were yesterday? Have you allowed God's grace to change you? His love for you to change you? You know, that's a tough question. I shared with our team this morning as we were praying for our services. I said, you know, it's interesting. You can ask people as you sit around with them or talk to them and you, you have a dialogue and you just ask them, hey, what's God doing in your life right now? And I think most of us, if we were to ask that question like right now, if I were to have you stand up right now, a lot of us would be like, I don't know. I, re- I really don't know. And that, that's okay, because I'd, I'd probably tell you the same thing on most days. But, but the reality is that God is always at work. See, he's, he's changing our sin into something beautiful, because he's changing us into something beautiful. He's changing our lives. He's, he's at work in us, and he's doing things. And if we were to really think about it for a few moments, I could pretty much guaranteed that in everyone's life right now, God is doing something in you. And he's doing that something in you because he wants to do something through you. 
And unfortunately, until he starts doing something through us, sometimes we don't understand or acknowledge the aspect of what he's doing in us. But I'll tell you, God is at work. God, God is at work in your life. He's at work in my life. He, he's bringing about change and he's moving us by the power of his Holy Spirit. He is sanctifying us and he's helping us to walk in step with the Spirit so that we might bear what? The fruit of his Spirit, right? See, when we walk in step with the Spirit, we walk by the Spirit and we don't walk in the flesh. We bear the fruit of love, joy, patience, kindness. How many of you guys are patient all the time? That's usually the toughest one for people, right? Well, God doesn't expect you to be patient all the time, but he does expect you to be patient. You know, how, how many of you guys say you, could, you love everybody at work? Yeah, yeah, we don't always do that, do we? Yeah, hey, there's a couple people. All right, well, let's talk about lying now. You know, we're, we're not perfect people. We're, we're imperfect. And, and that's, why, that's why we have to acknowledge the aspect of this, this next step of allowing God to change us, to move us into the life that he create, created for us. See, and it's for this simple fact that this life, as you live it in obedience towards God and for God, will impact somebody else for eternity. You will be a light in this world by living the way God has called you to live. See, and this only happens when we do the following. We allow change to create surrender. And I think this is the toughest part for us as Christians. I honestly do. And I I think if we're honest with ourselves, and, and I'll be honest with myself, I think there's one big word that gets in the way of surrender and it's simply pride. And most, most people say, well, men are the ones with the pride. It's not the ladies. Oh, I don't know, ladies. I've hung out with you. <laughs> Just kidding. I looked up so that way I wasn't looking at anybody's eyes. So I didn't pick out anybody. But uh, I think pride gets in our way, doesn't it? You know, pride is, is something that is just simply from the devil. Listen to what he says here in, in verse 13 about this. He says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. See, what happens here, if we're gonna present ourselves as instruments in the Redeemer's hands, if we're gonna allow God to use us as his instruments, instruments we have to surrender and not only do we have to surrender but we have to surrender everything a hundred percent all of we everything that we have i mean you just kind of think i want you to think personally right now for an area of your life and there probably is i know there is in my life where we just kind of struggle there's this tension of surrender and and i'll tell you where, where it is for me right now uh, this is just the honest truth. I, I have a hard time surrendering control of my children to God. So I, I'm in a new season of life. My kids are adults, 19 and 21 years old, and I still want to be their parent. 
I do, and I probably will forever. But what I have to understand in this season where God wants me is what he's doing in my life and he's reminding me of daily is that I have to be a disciple maker in this season. I have to help my kids become who God wants them to be. I can't control them. I can't make them. I can hit them every now and then. <laughs> right? Can't I? No? Okay. Sorry, Jeff says I can't. But <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> but my role right now is to surrender them to God. To put them in God's hands, isn't it? Would you agree with that? that, that, that they're better off in God's hands than, than they are in mine. Because I'm imperfect. I, I'm going to love them imperfectly. I'm going to correct them imperfectly. I'm going to do things imperfectly. But see, when we, we surrender, we present ourselves as those who have been brought from death to life and we use our, our members, our instruments, the things that God has given us to, to, to glorify God, to be instruments in the Redeemer's hands, then the life that we live will, will be different, won't it? I don't know about you guys, but having young adults, I pray a lot more than I did before. <laughs> You know, because they're doing things that I have to just kind of go. And I have to hug them and I have to say, I love you. You know, it's not an easy thing to be a parent. But the, the aspect of our lives and the sanctification process is, 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 is continual. It's never ending. And we have to continue to surrender ourselves to God. We have to give over all of we are, all of that we are, and trust God with everything. See, in the moment that we do this, God will change us. God will change us into the people that he wants us to be. Have you ever known someone that just has this, this radical faith? This just this like, man, they're just like all about it every day, all the time. Just, I mean, they're just all about it. I believe that that comes from someone that has just fully surrendered every area of their lives. Whether it's their finances, whether it's their kids, whether it's their marriage, whether it's their relationships, whatever it is, they are just fully surrendered. I have a friend that I get to talk to every now and then, maybe once a week, once, twice a month. And man, every time I talk to this guy, I just listen to him and I'm just like, man. I mean, and I, you got you to know that this guy came from a rough upbringing, grew up in the streets of Juarez, Mexico. He had 12 brothers, okay? Or 11 brothers, because he's the 12th. 12 brothers, grew up on the streets of Juarez, came to New, Me to New Mexico, started a life, built a business, experienced a lot of success, became kind of a biker guy, um, hung out with all that kind of scene, that party crowd, and experienced all this. And then one day, God got a hold of him. And you talk about surrender. Talk about change. This, this man went from someone that you probably wouldn't want to be around to someone that, man, you just wish you could be around all the time. Because he gave up everything 
He almost gave up his marriage because of it. Not because he walked away from his marriage, but because him and his wife were unequally yoked at the time. He gave up all his friends. He lost every one of them. He gave up a whole lot of money because by being fully surrendered, this guy was proclaiming his faith to the world around him with no apologies. He was not ashamed of the gospel. And he was sharing with everybody that walked in the door of his business. And I tell you what, he lost some business because of it. See, surrender will change us. It'll move us to a place where God wants us to be. And I tell you this morning, it does matter. It does matter what we do next. See, the gift of salvation is free. God says, I love you right where you are, right as you are. But you have to understand something. I'm not gonna leave you there. I'm gonna move you and change you into the person that I want you to be. And that's why Paul says what he says. That's why Paul talks about sin and he says this. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. We need to move and allow God to change us. Romans 6.14, and I'm gonna end it with this. It says, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. God's grace will change you. I want to close this morning with us just taking a few minutes. If you would, just bow your head, close your eyes with me. I want us, as we sing this last song, to do this. Maybe there's an area in your life that that you just haven't surrendered to God. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's just simply you. Maybe you haven't done that today. I want to ask you to do this. And I, and I believe God is asking you to do this. I want to ask you to humble yourself. I want to ask you to, to think about pride and what pride has caused and what pride can do in a life of a person. Because I know you've seen it in others. I know you've acknowledged it in others. We all have. But have you seen it in yourself? Is there something right now that you haven't surrendered that pride is standing in the way of, that sin, because pride is sin, is standing in the way of? Right now, between you and God, as we pray, I want to ask you to surrender that. Take one more step closer. Allow God to change you. Because remember, God doesn't want us to continue in our sin. But God wants us to continue walking in His Spirit, allowing God's Spirit to change us, to move us, to shape us, to guide us. And it's so that we might be a fruit, a bear fruit in this world, that we may be a light to those around us. Because what God does in our lives, He also wants to do through our lives. Father, we come into Your presence this morning, a broken people. Father, full of pride full of hurt, full of pain. Father, we bow before you this morning. We humble ourselves. We bow our hearts to you, knowing that you are the heart of hope, that you are our only hope, Father, in this world that that is dying, this world that is hurting, this world that, that just brings so much pain, so much suffering. 
Father God, we come into your presence in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit, that your spirit would just indwell in us, that would live in us, and that we would just walk in step with your spirit. Father God, you love us so much. We're so grateful for that love this morning. Father, as as we go away from here this morning, I pray that, that you would just remind us of the things that you want to do in us, Father, so that in the moments we need to be obedient, in the moments that you want to do something through us, that you would have already changed us, that you would have already helped us to understand what you want for us so that we could share that with the world around us so that we can truly be a light in a dark world. Father, we thank you for this grace. Lord, we rest in this grace and we find peace in this grace. Father, I pray that as you guide our very steps, as you show us this path that you've set before us, Lord, that we would find our greatest joy and our greatest pleasures just being in your presence walking with you, living for you, and glorifying your precious name. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you, and we do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.